You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serrata. And joining me on this podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? We have some really interesting stuff to talk about today. But before we get to that, I just want to mention I got to go to the world premiere of Prey last night in Westwood. And um, this movie is coming to Hulu. It's not coming to theaters. It's the Predator. Uh, I, I guess it's a prequel. Prequel-ish. I mean, I would call it a prequel just because it exists, you know, far enough back before the original came out. I, I know there were some reports early on that like this was like the origins of the Predator or wh- whatever. And it's not that. But yeah, it's it's, it's earlier in the timeline. Um, have you seen this, Ryan? No, I'm d- I, so I declined a screener because I didn't want to watch it with a watermark on it. Um, and, uh, by the way, Disney screeners are like notoriously the worst because they put your name, not just like in small letters. It's like across the entire screen in like a big font. Yeah. By the end of the movie, you usually like, are you like, it's almost like your eyes don't see it anymore, but it's still a horrible way to. Yeah. I recently might have watched something from Disney that might have something to do with a big thing that's coming out. And it was the same thing where it was like, this is not how I want to watch this. Uh, and I am deeply excited about Prey. So, and, and the big thing is I'm 
I'm probably just going to watch it Friday when it comes out, but I'm almost still holding out hope that maybe like the Alamo draft house or someone will get like a very small limited, you know, I don't know. I doubt it. I really doubt it, but I want to see this in a theater very badly. That was you cut into exactly what I was going to say, Ryan. I I am so bummed that people are not going to be able to see this on the big screen because seeing this on on the big screen last night uh, with an audience and people were like, I mean, usually a world uh, to be fair, a world premiere audience usually is more excited and stuff like that. But still, it was like people clapping and cheering. Yeah, but you can tell the the difference. So like like the best example for me is like I was at the world premiere of a quiet place at South by Southwest. And like, you know, that audience is going to be, you know, (laughs) but but the thing is, I don't think anyone expected that movie to be as good as it actually was. And so like people went nuts. And but like but I knew like, okay, this is going to carry over like, you know, this is so you can sense the energy in that way. And it's nice to hear that Prey seems to have that energy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm friends with the director uh, I remember being in his car a few years ago when he told told me his crazy idea for this movie. Uh, so you know, I am biased. I I do I have no objective opinion here, but I will tell you this: I am so proud of Dan and what he was able to create in this movie. And um, that I wish I could tell you to go out on opening night to see it, but you're gonna have to just you know pull up your Hulu app on your TV instead. If if I may. Uh, j- just to back you up a little bit here, uh, the movie currently has an unblemished 100% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it, it's it's good. I, I, I mean, I had friends come up to me after the screening that don't know Dan, and uh, one of them said it was her favorite movie of the year. So, I mean, it, it, it's a good movie. I, I, I think uh, I, I would put money down to say that. But anyways, um, even, cool. and even if you don't like Predator... Uh, Kitra uh, has never seen a Predator movie, but she saw this movie, loved it. So, anyways, okay, let's get into the the really exciting news that came out yesterday. I'm not sure if it's exciting, exciting the, word. the right uh, word. Really, <laughs> yeah, interesting, uh, <laughs> unprecedented. I think would be the word for it. Okay, so, so I, I guess let's start at the beginning. Warner Brothers has decided to shelve the Batgirl movie. This is a movie that they've spent 70 to $90 million. It's, it's filmed. It's been test screened. Uh, they are not going to release it in theaters or on HBO Max. Ryan, has this ever happened before? Not that I can tell on this level, no. Um, certainly there's been movies that have been, you know, shelved but they're cheaper movies and you know or or they eventually come out um <laughs> this is uh this is a unique situation um there's been movies that have been scrapped like mid-production before um i know of a horror director currently who got about a percentage of the way through filming something financing went through and now they have a half-finished movie it happens but like but this is a movie that as you said has been test screened with mostly finished visual effects uh, with Michael Keaton returning as Batman, with the directors of Miss Marvel and Bad Boys for Life, uh, introducing a brand new DC hero uh, in in Barbara Gordon, aka Batgirl, with rising star Leslie Grace. Uh, as you mentioned, that ninety million dollar budget greenlit at seventy million, but ballooned to ninety because of the pandemic. Um, yeah, 
so no, I think this is safe to say, I don't think anything quite like this has ever happened before. This is a first of its kind situation. I mean, this kind of stuff happens a lot in TV because they'll do – I mean, I guess it doesn't happen as much anymore, but there used to be the um, – what do you call that when the TV's uh, – <laughs> like, pil- like pilot, pilot season? season? Yes, that's yeah, the exact yeah. word I was looking for. Pilot season. And sometimes those pilots could cost, you know – Five to ten million. I mean, they're not cheap. Well, getting- yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I did sort of make that comparison with the Warner Brothers uh, thing in a piece I just wrote for us. That you know they scrapped a thirty million dollar Game of Thrones pilot because they felt the the brand was not like if they didn't feel confident that that was the story they wanted to tell. The potential of the brand is worth more than pressing ahead with something they weren't confident in. So. Yeah. Yeah, that does happen, but usually on the TV side. On the movie side, this is very unique, to put it lightly. <laughs> this is crazy talk. I mean, I, the, the the nearest thing I can think of is sometimes there'll be a director that makes a movie and then the studio takes it away from that director and they have another director come in and they reshoot, you know, part to a large part. I mean, maybe Justice League is probably the best example of this. Suicide Squad, though. Suicide Squad yeah. got taken away from air in the edit for sure. Yeah. Like that, that happens. Um, that so def- we, I mean, Rogue so you, One kind of. Yeah. And usually we don't get to see the original movie ever. Right. Like, I mean, I guess we got to see Justice League, the Snyder Cut, but even that's not the original movie because it wasn't finished. And it was, you know, he wrote, shot some new stuff. Um, but yeah. So, so, okay. Well, you know, rewind some time here. Uh, you know, there's a merger going on or a merger that happened between Discovery and Warner Brothers. And that that is, I think, what sparked this. The CEO, uh, David Zasloff, uh, he once this merger happened, he's wasted no time. He shut down the CNN Plus uh, streaming service a month after it launched. Uh, to be fair, it had almost no subscribers. So yeah, I mean, but that-, that was pegged at a $300 million venture. <laughs> Yeah, and he he he's gotten rid of nearly half the lineup of the CW, which um yeah, I, but that's got more to do with the pending sale of the network. I don't yeah. really, I mean that that that's almost, I don't even think that's a him thing because, <laughs> and not to interrupt you, but but uh, for people that don't know, the CW is likely being sold to a company called Nextstar, uh, and um, uh, Warner Brothers and Paramount both own half of the network. The network has never been profitable ever since its inception. It has always lost money. Uh, so they are looking to mostly get out of that business. So the the motivation for them to provide scripted programming to, to, to an entity they're not going to own is diminished. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Okay, so I guess the, the first big news here is, you know, this came out of, or the first bit of this is it came from a report from the New York Post, that correct? New York Post, yep. And and all of us thought it was bullshit when it first came out because the New York Post, you know, credit this time, but they have a bit of a spotty track record and it was written in a very tabloidy way. So we I was yesterday, I was writing up, I had finished writing in yesterday's edition of Superhero Bits. I was I sometimes report on rumors and superhero bits, but sort of frame them in a way that like, hey, here, here's this, let's temper expectations. And I had written a whole thing. For superhero bits like hey you know what this is probably not legitimate <laughs> but this is going to get a lot of traction let's talk about it and no sooner was i about to hit send on superhero bits did the rap variety and deadline like all at once confirm the report so kind of wild 
yeah, in that initial report, you know, it, like you said, it's kind of tabloid. Like it was saying how the the test screenings were went bad. That people don't like this movie, and basically, you know, they're they're cut. You know, they're deciding to shelve it because it's not good. And um, which is, I mean, you write about this in your piece. You have a, by the way, I want to direct people to slashfilm.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, but you have a great piece explaining why the Batgirl movie was canceled. Or I, I don't know if you're explaining it as much as trying to delve into the possible reasons. Yeah, I, I, yeah, basically what I did is I took all of the available information and some of it very direct, some of it what I would consider to be reasonably speculative, like leading us down the air, the, the road, the arrows are pointing to. Um, and it all comes back to David Zaslav, the new CEO of Warner brothers discovery, which this was like a $43 billion merger. The company is highly in debt, uh, because of that merger. Uh, and Zaslav is a very business focused guy in a ruthless way. And he is really trying to get things in a certain way. And you know, that's clearly going to result in a bloodbath. <laughs> Yeah, well, this initial report, I mean, the bat, uh, the optics on this are just horrible because the film's creators and star are all people of color. And they basically, in this initial report, were like th all thrown under the bus uh, with rumors of the film being horrible. And then they, <laughs> after this, the story was confirmed, there was this official statement that was released. Now, I'll, I'll read this. It says, quote, the decision to not release Batgirl reflects on our reflects our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the DC universe and HBO max. Leslie Grace is an incredibly talented actor and this decision is not a reflection on her performance. We are incredibly grateful to the filmmakers of Batgirl and Scoob holiday hunt. We, we didn't mention, but uh, Scoob holiday hunt was also canceled. We'll talk about that in a bit uh, and their respective casts. And we hope to collaborate with everyone again in the near future. Well, well, no, but just real quick though, worth mentioning, this is not the only, this is the biggest movie, but Scoob holiday hunt is sequel to Scoob, the animated movie uh, pegged at a $40 million budget also canceled. Um, and then I guess we just found out that LeBron James's remake of House Party might be in that similar boat. Um, here's the thing. So you have Leslie Grace, who's supposed to get a big break as Batgirl. Um, uh, I'm, I might butcher these names. I'm so sorry. But the directors of uh, Bad Boys for Life, Adil El Arbi and uh, Bill Alfala, uh, who also directed episodes of Miss Marvel, they probably had a lot of options available to them after the success of Bad Boys for Life. They chose to make Batgirl. Yeah, they made that's the choice they made. And here's the thing. I, a lot of the, this piece that I wrote and a lot of what I dig into, I looked at through a dispassionate lens, but the, the optics are bad and they are probably never going to work with Warner Brothers again unless the regime changes and unless that they are apologized to hand over fist, because I bet you any money right now that those directors who just had a good relationship with Marvel and Marvel now has a big phase five and phase six slate to fill out. Bet you anything they're getting dragged out on the stage at D23 and are going to be directing a big ass Marvel movie. Uh, that's my <laughs> guess. I, I would probably bet money on that. Maybe not D23, but we'll, we will see them at Marvel. They're they're they they are they are gonna direct they are either that or they're either that or they're not gonna direct a couple of episodes of show they're gonna get like a whole Disney they are Marvel yeah. Kevin Feige is smarter than Se that Secret He's, Wars. Well, <laughs>
maybe, maybe um, I, I sort of thought X-Men maybe because they sort of had some yeah. stuff in Miss Marvel that maybe touched on that. And so, but, but whatever the case, <laughs> Kevin Foggy's smarter than that. And, you know, uh, so no, no, the, the, this statement from Warner media or Warner brothers discovery is, is only the only, really the only thing you can say at a time like this, of course, you're going to say, we want to work with these people again. Of course, you're going to say it wasn't their fault. And maybe it wasn't, but I'm saying that like, they can't come out and say, oh, we hated the movie. So screw these people, you know, like it's yeah. not, you know, and I don't think that's the case either, but, but, um, but I By think the, the way, key thing, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. If you do search online, if you do search Twitter, you will find people that did go to the test screenings that have, uh, you know, spoken up, even though they signed NDAs. Um, and it doesn't sound like it was a disaster, or at least the disaster that the New York uh, Post was painting out to mm -hmm. be. I'm not, I, you know, I don't know because I'm reading these quotes from people who went to a test screening, but it didn't also sound like it was good either. Um, well, it, it sounded sound, like it, it, cheap. I, I took. Yeah, I talk about this in the post. It's a mixed thing. So Steve Weintraub from Collider, he had heard from people that it looked cheap. It wasn't very good. There were reports of an earlier test screening where it went extremely well. Uh, and then there was kind of everything in between. But there does seem to be. So what I interpret that to all mean is that maybe it was mixed. Maybe the studio did not have a ton of the absolute confidence. Because what I say is, okay, if you knew if you knew you had a great movie, you yeah. wouldn't shelve this. Even if it didn't quite line up with what you wanted to do with the, if they were confident, a hundred percent confident, they had like an absolute home run. They would, they would not shelve this movie. Now, the other thing to consider is that $90 million budget, about 20 million of that was ballooned costs for COVID. So let's go back to that $70 million figure. That's roughly half of what your, you know, big blockbuster would normally cost. And a lot of that money, because it was a streaming movie, it was greenlit for HBO Max, probably went to salaries. Because you had Leslie Grace, who probably was going to get paid a decent chunk for being the lead. Michael Keaton was not going to come back as Batman cheap. You had J.K. Simmons, who, Oscar-winning actor, probably not, probably getting a decent chunk of money. Brendan Fraser, on the up, maybe getting a decent chunk of dough. So a lot of that money was upfront cost for talent. Uh, and the directors, too. So what's left, yeah, maybe not a very big-looking movie. Um, you know, I don't know. That money only goes so far. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that if you, that, you know, that, that's kind of something to consider. I think the most interesting, interesting part of your piece is, is something I wasn't really thinking about when this all went down yesterday. It's when you were talking about the accounting loophole of, of this all. And why this might be happening. Yeah, so this is something, uh, look, corporate accounting is very complicated. And and I understand, I'm coming to understand that I understand the movie business a little better than a lot of people. Uh, I didn't realize, I, I, I guess I never thought of it that I had as much, but like, it was funny yesterday in the, in the Slack after this broke, there was like a lot of like conversation about it. And, and I guess I just didn't understand the degree to which like certain people that write about movies don't pay attention to this side of things. Uh, and I was just like, Oh, I guess I sort of know stuff. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> corporate accounting is complicated. So I'm not claiming to understand that, but, but deadline had reported after the news broke that. So because you have to understand Warner media was part of AT&T through this gigantic merger from about four years ago, AT&T after being in the media business for like two years was like F this. And they sold Warner media to discovery. 
because AT&T hated the media business so much so that they were willing to lose billions of dollars to get out of it. Um, but what that does, what that does create is a gigantic corporate merger that creates all kinds of accounting and tax things. So what Deadline had revealed is, is people, some of the other reports had said, oh, it's a tax thing. It's a tax thing. Deadline in its report mentioned very specifically that it was a, what is referred to as a purchase accounting maneuver. And essentially because the company changed hands and shifted strategy, they are apparently able to scrap these films. And then those losses are not going to be directly reflected on their books in their like earnings reports and stuff for the year. Yes, that money is spent and gone, but in terms of like taxes and the way you have to sort of report these things on paper, it they're able to write it off in a way that makes business sense. Um, and that, and that, and that sort of, uh, window expires mid month. So that's why they're doing this now. Um, you know, look, I, I'm not saying that that's right. I am saying that when you have a guy like Zaslav who is running a company that is $43 billion in debt, and he is committed to getting at least $3 billion in cost savings off the books, uh, you exercise every opportunity that you can, and this is uh, <laughs> this is an extreme situation. But the other thing to consider is that if you wanted to release these movies, if you were going to press ahead with the release of Batgirl one way or the other, if you're going to release it on HBO Max, you still have to market it, and you have to look at the return on investment, and then you do have to carry that on your books one way or the other. Uh, if you decide... DC movies are theatrical now and you want to pump more money into it to up the VFX or whatever. And then you have to promote a theatrical release. Then you have to carry that under books and you have to probably double your expenditure for something that the company is clearly not super confident about. And that goes for all these movies that are being scrapped. So from a pure dollars and cents standpoint, yeah, there is a lot more money to be spent if you do decide to release these movies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get all that. Uh, this is, it's just so crazy to me, especially with Scoop. So the writer of Scoop tweeted out, why cancel a 95% finished holiday movie this close to fall when you're guaranteed to have kids watching it from right after Halloween until at least New Year's? Makes no business sense, especially as both kids and parents dug the work in progress screening. I, that's baffling to me, Ryan. Like I, I can understand maybe Batgirl, but like it seems like a, like a Scoob holiday film special. Like it se seems like a no brainer to at least put out on HBO Max and kids will watch it. Well, also worth mentioning is uh, that writer you're referring to is none other than Paul <laughs> Dini, I believe. Yeah, Paul Dini, one of the uh, of Batman and uh, the animated series fame, one of low-key one of the more beloved dc creators of the last 40 years yeah you know yeah. like so so you know who knows what he was doing with scoob um i, I you know i don't know uh, yeah so that that sucks and then the thing is warner, warner brothers warner brothers has gone back to paul dini a lot over the years a lot he's working i believe on that batman cape crusader animated series do you really want to piss him off well, it looks like they don't care. Uh, it looks like they do not care. So that's that's an interesting because, again, my biggest thing from this is, again, a lot of what I'm saying, I am not saying these are my thoughts on the matter. I am not saying that this is what I am condoning what they're doing. I'm not condemning what they're doing. I'm saying this is the information as I see it, just to be clear. 
I do have some opinions on this, but I'm waiting for more information to fully form those. But uh, the one thing I will say without a doubt is what you are doing is burning bridges with talent. And Warner Brothers already did that last year under Jason Kalar with the Project Popcorn thing by releasing all those movies on HBO Max. Yeah, a lot of talent ended up getting some big paychecks for that, but you know, it, it, that that made some waves and, and this is certainly going to make some waves as well. What I mean, that's a good segue into what I wanted to talk to talk about next is obviously it seems like there's a changing of corporate strategy here from the, you know, Project Popcorn with them trying to pump up the HBO Max numbers to now, uh, you know, <laughs> Maverick proving that the theatrical business is not dead. And uh, it seems like that's where they want to go, maybe. Yeah, but it's not just Maverick. I mean, The Black Phone is an yeah. excellent example of an $18 million movie making six times its budget. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff this year. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, another very good example of stuff that is outside of the big budget expected range this year. You know, of course, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was going to be a hit, but it was a bigger hit than people thought. Um, Top Gun Maverick is the single box office story of the year, but this year has proven that, like, you know, even you know, Scream making a lot of money, Jackass Forever making a lot of money, a lot of these movies doing better than we expected has cemented the idea that theatrical is by no means dead and and in, in all likelihood as we continue to move forward is going to still be just as important as it ever was. To that end, Warner Brothers has seen perhaps better than any other studio that if you have a big hit in theaters, it will be a big hit down the line. The Batman, one of the biggest hits of the year financially in the box office, <clears throat> performed incredibly well on VOD, and then still ranks as one of the biggest debuts on HBO Max. So you got to have your cake and eat it too on all three sectors there. I'm assuming it probably performed well on Blu-ray too. So the point is like HBO Max and and Warner, Warner Brothers Discovery are sort of leading the way in this new thinking that the Netflix model is kind of dying. The whole idea of spending a lot of money on movies that are just made for streaming that don't generate other revenue. The, they don't believe that the return on investment is worth it for those things. So maybe you make some very cheap movies just for HBO Max, but you generally, they are going to try to maximize profit and give consumers options. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the thing. And the other thing is that relates to the theatrical argument, they see DC as a theatrical entity. They want, this was said in some of the pieces in, in the reasoning for this, and they talk about, even in their official statement, they talk about DC's strategy. The strategy is getting a cohesive DC universe that is theatrical first. That's not to say you can't have shows like Peacemaker and stuff, sort of like what Disney Plus does with the MCU, but they are going for, you know, the movies are theatrical that we are not going to make streaming movies. We are going, DC is a theatrical brand. So, you know, that sort of all ties in. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still doing that uh, HBO max TV series based on uh, the Batman universe, right? With Matt Reeves involved. Yeah. But again, that's, but again, that that's more akin to what Marvel's been doing. You have, Shows yeah. that feed into the movies and the movies. So, like, sure, you do a show, but what you don't do is you don't debut a hero like Batgirl on HBO Max anymore. That's not what they're going to do. Uh, they're just simply not going to do it uh, because a show can't exist on the big screen. But if you have a big theatrical hit 
and then you spin off shows from that, then yeah, that can help goose your HBO Max subscriber numbers and you make TV for streaming. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. And I think what you're getting to here is also them trying to protect the brand. Uh, I mean, DC hasn't had a good track record <laughs> uh, as of recent. I would say it hasn't been consistent, and that's the issue. Yeah. No, I think that that's a good way of saying it, it hasn't been consistent. So it, it just seems strange to me that, like, I can't imagine this movie being as bad as some of the some of the stuff that they've released or being as inconsistent. I don't know. It seems like it, in, if you're going to talk about consistency, you know, obviously uh, Michael Keaton is in this and he's also going to be in the Flash movie that's coming out with Ezra Miller. Why not cancel the Flash? Well, here's the thing. Especially especially with all the stuff that's been going around Ezra Miller, it's kind of a... <laughs> well, look, here's the thing. We, we Also worth noting for everyone here, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery has an earnings call tomorrow. Uh, so we are probably going to hear a lot about a lot of this stuff tomorrow. Mm. The Flash, they have not made a decision about that yet. We do not know what... And I'm telling you this, if they weren't willing to dump Batgirl to streaming... Dollars to donuts, they're not doing it with the Flash either. So I see it two options for the Flash. They either scrap it, and again, you can maybe take a write down like they're doing with these other movies that were made at the old regime, or you spend a ton more money, you get another actor, you do a bunch of digital magic, you pay a king's ransom to essentially reshoot most of the movie, and that way you can sort of use this as your big DC reset button because I think that was sort of loosely what they were pitching at one point with the flashpoint storyline. So then you can sort of have your, you know, you can sort of have it both ways with that movie and you can use that as the, the reset point. Um, and, and you do it with a different actor and you do it in a way that makes sense. And then you don't have Michael Keaton returning as Batman and axing both of those movies entirely. So, you know, it's complicated, but yeah. I mean, it's even more complicated because even if you're trying to reset things, they obviously don't want to reset Shazam. They're they're having major success with that. They don't want to reset the Joker, which I guess is its own universe thing. But that makes, right. that adds to the inconsistency of it this does. Whole and thing. I think that I think that's the biggest problem that Zaslav and and the the whoever they bring in to be there, Kevin Feige, has to figure out. And I think the thing is, and again, this is corporate strategy. This is not me saying this is what I would do. But I'm saying if you take something like Batgirl off the books, if you – I don't know what Blue Beetle looks like. I don't know if it has any connections to other movies. You Blue Beetle goes to theaters, and if it doesn't have connections to other movies, it can sort of be what it is. Uh, look, you 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 got to sort of take – as much complication out of it as possible. Um, and you've got to get a cohesive thing going. Uh, you, you can maybe do some Elseworlds tale stuff and say that like the Batman or Joker or Elseworlds tales, but what you want is a cohesive universe. And if you continue with things like Shazam, if you continue with some of these things that are anchored to the DCEU and ultimately the Snyderverse, you're never going to be able to move away from that. And I think they want to move away from that and they want a clean slate as best as they can get it. Yeah, it will be interesting to hear what we, it's, it's going to be interesting to learn what we hear tomorrow from this earnings call because I've heard this is just the beginning 
at least that's what the rumor is that this is just the beginning of some of the the cost cutting uh and, and decisions that are yeah, going on there. layoffs are going to be happening well be and and look i hate to say but that happens with any big corporate merger because there are redundancies within the companies and so yeah you're going to have some layoffs here and no and i don't think these are the only projects we're going to hear about being scrapped for example we ran a piece earlier today uh hbo max has quietly been removing removing movies that were hbo max exclusives from the service uh and they are now available on vod uh i i don't know why they're doing that um mm. so like i you know that clearly there's some big big strategy shift going on and and they're doing it fast and swift yeah, I, I kind of don't like that. I, the whole idea of like an HBO Max to me was like, oh, I get to watch all the Warner Brothers movies in one service and or, you know, Disney Plus. I get to watch all the Disney movies in one service. And now that like the idea that these companies are like, oh, we'll take some of these movies that we know that people will pay for, put them on in, in VOD outside this walled garden that people are paying a monthly price for i don't know that that's annoying to me as a consumer it is uh but again i think a lot of it has to do with zaslov's idea that you know revenue is good um and uh and um and uh i i think that in the future yeah you're gonna see a lot less warner brothers movies going directly to hbo max that is just barely gonna happen um i think sure a lot of their movies are gonna that hbo max will be the extreme exclusive streaming home to movies after they're done in theaters but, um, you know, I, I, and then I also think you have to remember that they have Discovery Plus as well. And both of those services are going to merge into one thing. So Discovery Plus is going to bring you a lot of other programming and a whole new audience, a lot of reality programming, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and so you're going to be able to kind of get a whole other audience. But then you kind of have to expand the scope of what that service is. And that adds other complications as well. I don't envy these people. <laughs> And there's also news today. I'm not sure if this is I don't think this is related at all, but it is a change in strategy in terms of DC that DC has launched a new website and they're dropping comics from the URL. So it's just uh, DC.com, not DCcomics.com and social media handles are also removing comics from the name. What do you make of that? Uh, again, I think it is all part of the rebranding. Um, I think. I think because DC has become more of like it was DC comics for years and years, like in the same way that like, you know, Marvel was Marvel comics, but now Marvel just makes more sense. And DC, I think similarly, DC is a lot more than just comics. And but I do think the fact that that is happening right now is a sign that like the, the moment of change is upon us. Um, it is it is because because Zaslav and the, the new regime see DC as a crown jewel that has not been maximized and they are ready to maximize that asset. And uh, and, you know, look, I hate to call these things that I love an asset, but from a corporate brand <laughs> strategy, that's what they, they are. are. You know, like like I love Marvel and I think Disney is very respectful about the Marvel brand. But Marvel is an asset on a corporate balance sheet. That is what it is. I'm not saying I look at it that way, but I'm saying that, you know, that that is from a because I always say the movie business is a business first. I love that this is all this unique intersection of art and commerce and these two powers that, you know, kind of work against one another. But when it works, it's amazing. You know, when you get something like like 
uh, I'm trying to think of a good example right now. Like when you get something like the Suicide Squad that like against all odds is somehow very good, you know, like like, you know, while working in a big art and commerce area, it's it's fascinating to me. But but yeah. the people at the top, these are business decisions. And if we want to continue to see these things, they kind of need to be. But this is a pretty brutal moment. I just can't imagine the same thing happening over at Marvel. I can't no. imagine them making a movie and deciding to shelve it. I mean, they've done that before where they've made a movie and it wasn't that great. And they just, you know, they have made so much money for Disney as a company that they can be like, Disney, give us the money to fix it. But the other thing is because, like. Uh, thing is- because if you have a, a, an amount of money, you could fix anything. If you have yes. unlimited money, you can fix anything. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, you know, you look at, like, you know, they released, to Disney's credit, they released the new mutants. You know, they, they Sony yeah. released Morbius twice. You know, <laughs> like, you know, they're, this is weird. But, um, you know, and, and also, I just want to go on right this way off topic. I like the new mutants quite a bit, so whatever. But, like, but, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 uh, yeah. No, this would not happen at Marvel. It's because you have Kevin Feige. It's because Disney is one of the best in the business at managing IP. Uh, that's why it's so weird what's going on with Pixar right now. Disney's good at this, you know, like, and so, yeah, I mean, that's why Zaslav wants a Kevin Feige easier said than done, but you need someone at the top sort of driving the ship, you know, and, and you've got to have some cohesiveness. That's what works. There's no way this happens at Marvel because the, the, the burden at Marvel right now is that they have been burdened with success for 15 years. And now they kind of have such a large interconnected universe that they almost need to pare it down because they're being crippled by their own success. If that's the worst problem you have, you're in pretty good shape. Um, you know, DC does not have that same problem. All due respect. Yeah. You know, we started this conversation and I asked you, has this ever happened before? You just bring up Pixar and that occurs to me that that's probably the on the biggest scale. That's probably where it's happened, where they've actually announced, developed for years movies. I mean, probably not to the point that like they're releasable, uh, but spent over $100 million on some movies and, you know, axed them. So, yeah. And look, and credit where credit is due. And I've talked about this. Pixar is one of the most reliable up until the pandemic, one of the most reliable theatrical brands in history. And the reason that Pixar was that way is because that name was associated so highly with quality in the eyes of moviegoers that regardless if it was a franchise movie or not, people would go see it. And that is quality control. That was Pixar going this hundred million dollars is not up to snuff for us. We will hit the reset button and eat that money because it is not worth us damaging our brand. And to their credit, that worked out very well. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, this was a great conversation. You can find more of the stories we mentioned in today's podcast on Sostrom.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Sostrom.com. And please write and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Right now, all stock outlets with USB ports are on sale. Ditch the need for bulky USB adapters. Upgrade your home with features like ultra-fast charging, allowing you to charge your smart devices up to 40% faster than standard USB outlets. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all the great deals happening this week. Save big money. 